Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jura, and uh, tonight I'm being joined by Crane Pool Society founder Stephen Keen. Stephen, thanks for joining the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure, Brian. Thank you for inviting me on. Well, let's get uh, let's get right into it. Uh, we got to see a uh, uh, an, another Mets win. I think that makes them four and one here on the young season. Uh, the only disappointing thing, I guess, is that Noah Syndergaard only went four innings today. So I want to know from you, how concerned are you about the starters not going very deep in, in games so far here in the first week or so of April? Well, I think when you look at each each start from each of, of these pitchers, uh, I mean, today Syndergaard, for some reason he threw a lot of, he was going with a lot of sinkers, a lot of sliders. He didn't go too much with the fastball. And he was he threw in his second and third innings he kind of threw a lot of he was throwing a lot of pitches with command problems. It could be that the weather you know the late it, it, this this starting the season this early and being as cold as it's been here in the Northeast for the past uh, three weeks or so. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna give him a pass on that being that you know the game didn't start on time it it did start it was still like a little drizzly it was it was cold out today the temperature was dropping during the day but he you know he just didn't have command of those pitches and 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 it, it cost him in the second and third inning is when his count went up i he's got to learn how to pitch he you know he sometimes he gets into this he you know he has that men, that thaw mentality and sometimes that hurts him that's why when you look at someone like Jacob DeGrom, DeGrom has mastered pitching. He knows how to pitch. He's gone out there. And I think we're starting to see that with Matt Harvey, that after a couple of surgeries and, and rehabs and how hard it was to get back to him, I think that Harvey is starting to understand, too, the difference between you know throwing and pitching. Now Matt's is a guy who I just I, I can't figure him out. I, I, I don't know if it's physical problems with him or if it's just his makeup his mental makeup because i've never seen a guy look so defeated times on the mound when he when he's on the mound so uh you know it 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 is all we got four or five different personalities here and it's it's up to mickey calloway dave island they're going to have to work with these guys to try to get them more consistency i you know i mean they've let these guys you know run the pitch count up it's early in the year and I know Callaway wants to go with this uh, eight-man uh, bullpen, and he's been using them. And so far, the bullpen has been a savior for the team, bailing them out in most games. And uh, I would think, but I would think that the, you know with Syndergaard, they're going to have to look at uh, video of this game and see what it is that was why his pitch count was so high in so few innings. It feels to me like they're counting on Syndergaard and DeGrom to, to give the team innings. And this start was only four innings for Syndergaard. DeGrom's first start, he only went five and a third. And I really feel like these guys have to give 
six plus innings each time out because you don't know what you're going to get from those other three starters, especially as long as Vargas isn't isn't around, the guy who they signed to give them innings. So uh, to to me, it's a real problem. And I know it's early. I know it's April. The weather is bad and all of the things that you mentioned. But Syndergaard's been around the block enough to to know that he's got to give this team innings. And and he kind of fell down in that regard today, I felt. Yeah, you can't be using four relievers every game because these guys will be burned out by by the end of May. It, it we can't keep doing that, and it seems that uh, it, I mean I was surprised. Well, not really, but you know, Gaselman pitched very well, and it worked out that he came out of the game because that's when they ended up going ahead. I mean, we, I think we all held our breath when Hansel Robles <laughs> came in. Because I was figuring he's only, you know, he's only here until Vargas is ready to be activated, and I thought he'd be the guy where he's either going to pitch the 17th inning of a game or if the game is well out of hand. But I guess, uh, you know, Callaway wants to, see, you know, they, you know, I, I give them credit because Callaway and Island, they, they, and Dave Island, the pitching coach, they pretty much challenged Robles when they sent him to Las Vegas. They said, listen, you either you got to, you know, get with the program or. You know, you'll just be sitting down there pitching in minor leagues until they decide they don't want you anymore. And I think that with, with you know, with the injury to Swazik, they figured, you know what, let's bring him back up, see what he can do. Let, and I think it's better to do it that way and let some of those younger relievers that they have in Las Vegas just let those guys play out. I mean, and, and he responded today. Uh, A.J. Ramos has looked very good. He's, you know, but you can't be going every day with these guys. And I saw he had Jerry Blevins warming up again and then Blevin sat down and I thought that I was hoping you know he even said that we would he would get away from doing that having guys warm up and then not use them but you can't burn this bullpen out it seems like it's a good bullpen but like you say these starting pitchers have to conserve I think Syndergaard's big thing is like he just you know he loves those strikeouts and sometimes he just better off just try to pitch the contact they have an infield this year that is a pretty good defensive infield. Todd Frazier, when watching him at third base, has been a bit of a revelation because we knew he was a good defensive third baseman, but watching him the last you know five games or so playing, he's really good. I think Adrian Gonzalez, he's he's been a Gold Glove first baseman. He can still you know do it, and Rosario, and I think Cabrera has looked very good at second base. So I think some some of these pitchers, instead of trying to strike guys out all the time. And the foul, you know, between, you know, if you're going to miss a little bit, but the foul balls kill you too because if they, you know you're running deep counts on some of these batters, you know, try to pitch to contact. Use this infield. This infield is pretty good, and the outfield is is, is tremendous. So you know, use your, use the guys in back of you and try to you know try to, you know, like like today, you know, if you're going to throw like 85 pitches, get to the sixth or seventh inning with those 85 pitches, not the fourth. No, I'm not going to pretend that I'm qualified to be a pitching coach and give pitching advice, but I have to think that if uh, somebody sent Hansel Robles to me to try to work on one of his problems, one of the first things that I would do was to get him to stop pointing up every time the ball is hit in the air. Because, A, how, what good does it do anybody on the field when he points straight up, regardless if it's a, a pop-up behind the catcher or if it's a home run over the center field bleachers? I mean, it, it, it drives me insane when he does that. 
But anyway, talking about the the bullpen, and I want to ask you about uh, a couple of the guys that uh, have been starters for the Mets in the past, and that's uh, Seth Lugo and Robert Gesellman. And do you think that uh, they can continue to pitch multiple innings out of the pen all season long? You would hope you wouldn't really need them to do that, but it seems that those are the two guys who can handle that. And you, it, it could be too, like you can use a, use both of those guys as long men when you have, you know, if you're gonna if you want to skip a start with somebody, or if this bad weather starts, if these double headers start piling up, you have depth there. You would, you know, it's. A day like today, you would have hoped, like, if Syndergaard just gets to the fourth inning, that a Gasalman could come in and pitch at least maybe three innings. That gets you to the seventh, and now you have your back-end guys. And I think he, I think Gasalman would have gotten another inning if it wasn't for the fact that there was men on base when he was. it was his time at bat. So, you know, I don't think Callaway had any other choice but to take him out of that game. But when you're going to use guys like this, if you're going to use them for multiple innings, you 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 can't you have to give them at least a day or two rest for how many pitches they're going to throw. But it, it's it's good to see. I mean, I'm you know looking at, at Gasolman, he seems like a different guy. He, last year he, you know, he was making the comments about he didn't care what the, the front office said about him and stuff like that. And it seems that, you know, he's kind of matured a little bit. Lugo, we you know with the legendary uh, spin ratio. That, that we know on the breaking ball, he's been a bit of a revelation too. This was a guy who was like a like a thirty fourth to thirty fifth round draft pick, who's really been he's a real a real competitor a real you know somebody who's really you know contributed. And the fact that those two guys can pitch multiple innings is a real big plus for this team. I'm a big fan of relievers going multiple innings at a time, both from an aesthetic point of view, because I don't think it's it's very pleasing to watch a game with 20 pitching changes. And, and also I think it's better actually for the pitchers to, to pitch two or three innings twice a week than uh, go out there five times each week and pitch one inning at a time. I, I think it's going to be better in the long run. But we're kind of in a tough spot right now because um, uh, Gazelman pitched two innings today and, and Lugo pitched two innings the day before so you'd figure the the game the first game against Washington they're going to neither one of those players is going to be available so it, it, it may leave you a little short in the bullpen every now and then but hopefully the guys like Syndergaard and DeGrom can give you a, a seven inning start to kind of ease that load off a little bit but we've been talking uh, about the the bullpen, and I want to switch over and talk about one of the hitters and a guy to me who's who kind of is uh, flying a little bit under the radar right now. Uh, surprising to me because he's so important to the team is you and He's off to a good start, and I want to know just your impressions on him. Do you feel like he's he's has a new commitment to the game? What, what do you think about Cespedes? Well, it seems that he's told the the organization that he will not play golf during the season. So I think from right from there, you can see that there's a dedication now to the game. I think it's because of the difference in, you know, the manager and the coaching staff. I think he, he sees that this is a, that, you know, the, the, the manager is just like, he seems like a no nonsense type of guy. And if you're not going to contribute, he doesn't want to, you know, he, he's going to let you know he's a straight shooter, it seems. But it seems that Cespedes knows that, you know, last year was was such a bust for him. 
you know, with the injury and missing most of the season, that you know maybe this is, he feels like you know I need to prove I need to prove something, because we all know he can he can carry this team on his back. He gets hot. He's you know we we saw this you know a few, couple of years ago when when they went to the World Series. He, he when they when he came over to the Mets in, in July and was in July, you know there was talk about having you know getting him votes for National League MVP. That's how good he was. We know that what this guy can do, and I think that he's realizing it. I think he you know he's he's and he's even been giving interviews in in English, which I commend him for because. I think a lot of fans get a little upset with the with the, a lot of the Latin players when they have a translator. I just think that it's it's I think it's that these the, the the Latin players are just worried that they may not say any something the right way, like they might not answer a question a right way and, and get themselves in some kind of difficulty. And they figure it's much easier to uh, you know get the question in, in Spanish and, and answer it in Spanish. But I give him a lot of credit. He's been he went to the press conference and he spoke he spoke English and he's he's showing you he's he's trying that he's you know he's 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 looking to become a leader he's trying to lead I think most of the guys follow him follow his lead he seems very popular on this team and I and I think that he knows that he can he can definitely be an MVP he has the talent for it and he also loves the the, uh, the spotlight. He loves to be on that stage. He loves to be, you know, when the, when the game is on the line or when they need an RBI, he's right there. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping it, it all comes down to health. It comes down to health with this whole team. If this team stays healthy, they're as good as anybody. It seems like there was a lot of talk uh in spring training of 2017 about Cespedes being uh, wanting to be the, the league's MVP and not so much so this uh, spring. So I think it would be a wonderful thing that if he stayed healthy, like you said, and, and gave that kind of production and maybe even if he didn't win, just if he had a strong finish, I think that would be a great thing for the Mets. But as long as we're talking about the outfield, you know, the, the big elephant right now is how are things going to be handled in the outfield? How is playing time going to work out? once Michael Conforto returns. So what do you think the Mets are going to do once their young star is, is activated from the disabled list? Well, I just saw that he'll he's, he'll be activated for tomorrow's game and Phil Evans will be sent back to Las Vegas. And whoever thought we, you know, with all the, if you, when you go on social media and Mets Twitter, you would think the Mets are the worst organization that ever ever played baseball. But now look what we have here. We have a uh, we we have an abundance of riches uh, in the outfield. We you know we have we have Cespedes, we have Nimmo, we have uh, Bruce, and now we have Conforto. Now what do we do? I mean we have <laughs> you know Nimmo has done nothing to say that to um, to, to be sat down, but Conforto is you know this is another guy who could be an MVP, who's who's a star. He could be an all he's an all he's been an all star. So when he comes back, he's going to go into center field, and I guess and Jay Bruce will stay in right. I mean, there could be days when Bruce sits down for a day, and then Conforto moves to right, or Nemo plays right. They're going. This is going to be something that Mickey Calloway is going to have to. He's going to have to try to juggle four outfielders for three spots. And you know the the thinking was that well all right once he comes back then when Adrian Gonzalez we're going to get rid of him well there's no reason to get rid of Adrian Gonzalez I I tried to tell people 
don't look at the spring training numbers and think that this guy's washed up. He's not washed up. If he's a veteran player. He knows what he needs to work on when it comes to spring training, and he's been playing very well. And and his glove at first base, he, you know, he's he's been a Gold Glove first baseman, and he's been playing a very good first base. So, it, it's you know, this is the kind of problems we we you know we're not used to as Met fans, but it's a nice problem to have. And you know, this is where the manager is going to earn his stripes when he's trying to figure out how to balance all these all these players, all these bats, and getting them into the lineup. Now, I've never been a big Juan Lagares fan. Obviously, love the defense, but there's so much problems with, with him once he steps into the batter's box, pitch recognition being at the top of the list. But I was encouraged by the fact that he spent this offseason trying to redo his swing, trying to get uh, get more uh, lift into his swing and, and hit for more power and more home runs. And I think we need to see him more, but I don't know if we need to see him at the major league level, not knowing if these changes are going to work. So one thing that, that has occurred to me is that perhaps one way to alleviate the log jam in the outfield for the Mets is to move, um, move Ligaris to, to the minors where he can play every day. And we can see if those changes take place. I mean, it's the PCL. I understand Maybe you can't go by the, the, the raw home runs or, or slugging percentage, but just see how often he lifts the ball in the air compared to how many times he hits grounders and then see if that new approach is working. So what do you think about the possibility of, of sending Ligaris down so he could play every day? Uh, I don't know if he has options. And, and, and for the price tag that he has, I don't know if they would do it. I would I would just like to trade the guy. I have I I'm I've never been a fan of his. I you know I know he's worked very hard over this over this off season uh, for on his offense, which has been putrid. And the last the few at bats I've seen him this year, I haven't seen much of a difference. He still swings at bad pitches. He still doesn't have very good pitch recognition. I mean, it, his only saving grace is that he is an outstanding center fielder. They don't really need him. They, they, you know, you don't really need him. I would try to move him, try to trade him for something. You know, I'm sure you could get a, a relief pitcher for him or something. I mean, because I, I would just move him because, I mean, you, you know, before you, you couldn't get rid of him because you needed him. But now, with like I said, with all the with the outfielders coming, with Conforto coming back, it, now there's a log jam. And I, I, you don't even, you know, Conforto is very good in center field, and I don't think you need to have, like, even Nimmo plays a, a decent center field. So I don't think it's like you need somebody to become a late-inning defensive specialist. I, I just, I've never I've never really cared for Juan Ligaris, and I mean, I know when they signed him, it was it was coming off that gold glove year, and they figured it was, and, and when you go back and look at it then, that was a good signing because they bought some years back from him. But I would think that they would, you know, try to move him somewhere. If somebody is, you know, maybe Tampa Bay would love to have a guy uh, to play center field. Like, I don't know. I mean, any team, try to move him. I'm not, like I say, I'm not a big fan of his. And, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to see Brandon Nimmo get less uh, at-bats and playing time over Juan Lagares. 
Well, let's talk about a guy who uh, I know that I'm a fan of and I'm going to assume that you are too, and that's Matt Harvey. And I want to know how encouraged were you by the performance of of Matt Harvey in his his first start this year? Uh, Were you encouraged? Do you think we should discount it because it was just against the Phillies? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's against the Phillies. But you know what? From what we saw the previous year, you know, a couple of years coming back struggling, the struggles that he's had, you know, you have to be encouraged. And it was funny because when you when I'm watching that game and I'm seeing how the Mets couldn't score any runs for for him, you go back to the beginning of his career, the first couple of seasons where he got absolutely no run support from the team. He I think he led the league in those first two seasons in no decisions because he would just come out of games where they didn't score any runs for him. So I, I there's there's something about him this year. I don't know what it is. He just seems like he's a more mature person, and it's translating on the mound. You know, you know, he would always remember most of his starts. He wouldn't shave for a couple of days, and he had tried to have that mean-looking demeanor, kind of like a Sal Magley type out there, like he was trying to intimidate people. And I don't see that this year. I see a guy who his velocity is not what it was. But I see a guy who has is is trying to become a pitcher, and he's using all sides of the plate, and he's going up up to the strike zone, down the strike zone, and I think he and of course this is a last year on a contract, so he's on a walk year, and you know everybody keeps saying that oh he, this is this will be his last season as a Met. We don't really know that. I mean, I say he enjoy enjoys. I think he. We know he enjoys playing in New York. Now with Island and, and Callaway, maybe now maybe he's found the two guys who can instill confidence in him and help him and help him, you know, achieve, you know, what he wants to be, be a top starting pitcher in the game. I mean, we have to hope that the start, the last start that we saw, that this is what we're going to see for the for the most of the season. Because if it is. Then you know we're definitely the Mets will definitely be a contending team for for a pennant because now you're going to have three guys who are are, are top notch and you're going to have and I, I think what you're going to hopefully match if he can straighten out and we we have the forgotten man Zach Wheeler who's in Las Vegas who has to really prove himself and I think this is part of the of, of the new regime. Uh, with the Mets is that you have to prove yourself to to get a, a position to get to play. Playing, to, you know, it's now a meritocracy. Now it's not like before, where a guy, you know, when every day we'd look at this lineup and wonder why is this guy playing? How come this guy's playing? Why is this guy here? And I, I think now you have to earn your spot. And I think that most of these guys have gotten that, you know, they've gotten that understanding. And I think Harvey's one of those guys that that, that finally sees that. Listen, I got to really work on this. I got to work on this craft. I got to become a pitcher, and these and I'm getting the help that I need here to to get that done. Well, we've reached the crazy prediction time of of the show. Um, I'll give you a prediction, and I'll ask if you think it's crazy, and then I'll ask you to to give me your crazy prediction. Are you ready? Go right ahead. All right. So my crazy prediction this week is that despite all of the talk about job sharing. I think that this year Travis Darno is going to set a personal best 
in plate appearances. Uh, his uh, current best is 421, so I think he's going to top that mark this year in the in the year that uh, some people even think that Kevin Ploiecki is going to win the job outright. So I want to know from you, how crazy is that? <laughs> that is a crazy prediction because I would Woo-hoo! go the other way. <laughs> I would go the other way. I think Ploiecki is starting to show that he's the number one catcher on the team. I think, you know, not not just offensively, but behind the plate, he he seems like he's in command of 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 this pitching staff. I don't see it with Dono and watching him last night when um his, his batting stance, he's gone back to where he's got that bat on his shoulder and behind him. And Keith Hernandez was crowing about that last night because that was something that they were trying to get for him to get away from. You know, when he hold, when he has that bat back there, that was like, you know, Daryl Strawberry, but Daryl Strawberry had tremendous bat speed. Darno doesn't. And he, you know, it, when Hernandez was going off on, on that, it ended up that he did get a base hit <laughs> off the end of the bat going the opposite way. Yeah, and he, got, he drove in a run. I mean, I would hope, I would like to see him. I would hope that, you know, out of the catching position, we end up getting maybe 30, 35 home runs and maybe 100 RBIs out of both of these guys. That would be wonderful getting that out of that position. But I, I've, I, you know, I would love to see, I would love to see that happen for Darno. I just don't know how realistic that is. The thing with Darno and his batting stance is, if you don't like the one that he has in a certain game, <laughs> just wait a game or two and it'll yeah, change. change it all. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the, you just gotta roll with the punches on on that. I think. All right, so um, you know, I'm, you you made me happy because you said my prediction was crazy. Each week, I try to come up with a crazy prediction, and and I give it, and the guest always looks and goes, "Eh, no, I don't think that's crazy," and then they never term, they never come true. So the fact that you labeled mine as crazy right off the bat, oh, it, it yeah. gave me a warm fuzzy. All right, give me your crazy prediction. Okay, now my crazy one, I've been touting this for a while. I say Adrian Gonzalez is going to knock in at least 90 runs for the Mets and hit tw- at least 20 Oh, my runs. God. <laughs> Certifiable. Send for the man with the uh, padded wagon. Yeah. No, I've been talking oh, well, people like that. I really only think if they he, count stats from the California Penal League or, or wherever <laughs> he ends up after the Mets cut him. I, yeah, I I am on the Adrian Gonzalez bandwagon for better or worse. I, I really think that he's gonna. I think that he's gonna solidify his spot at first base, and he's gonna knock in 90 runs. And I think that that's gonna be the difference between this team, you know, fighting for a wild card and going for the division for the division lead. Now, I understand that the Adrian Gonzalez bandwagon is as lonely of a place as, like, the Maytag repairman. So, so yeah, how does it, it feel to be on that bus all by yourself? Yeah, this is like the, um, what is it, the Uber car that drives itself. <laughs> I'm the only guy in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this is, there's not many, there's not many people getting on there. But if this does happen, I will, I will look very good. <laughs> if this does there you happen. go. Well, th- this may be your first. Both, both host and guest came up with uh, <laughs> predictions that the other deemed as crazy. I dig it. This is what it's supposed to be about. 
Yeah. All right. I mean, well, I want to talk. I want to talk about the Phillies and 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 the Mets record versus the Phillies and and they've done very well the the last four or five years, but since the beginning of 2015, now 40 and 19, and we hear so much about how bad the Mets did against the Braves and and the Mets were horrible at Turner Field, but you know they more or less held their own. Um, when they played them in, in Shea Stadium or, or later on City, it was it was just they were so bad on the road. But the Mets are dominating the Phillies both home and away, and, and yet we hardly ever hear about that. Um, and I just want to know, what do you think about that? I guess because the Phillies have been so bad the past few years. That, because they have to play off 19 times, and they're yeah. losing 15 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny, like, you know, like you say, the Braves have one. The Marlins kill us, too. The Marlins, are, you know, they, they have a problem with the Marlins. And you would hope that this year, you know, playing the Marlins like 18 and 19 times, is, you know, with, with, with a triple-A team, that, uh, you know, we could, you know, win at least 15 of those games. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's just a weird thing. I, I guess some teams, you have their number and... Like I mean, the Braves. Uh, Freddie Freeman kills us. You know, Chipper Jones was a killer. I mean, that pitching staff back in the day was a killer. But I don't know. Maybe it's just that. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it is too. Mets are you know hit for power, and even when they go down to Citizens Bank, that's you know that's a real bandbox. The ball flies out of there. I think that helps the Mets a lot too. I think. I know, like like David Wright couldn't wait to get down there. A lot of times, even if he was slumping, because you knew like you can you can really get break out of your slump going to to Citizens Bank, because the ball flies out of there. So that that could be part of it too. If you know they just enjoy hitting there, uh, you know, I it, it's hard to it's it's hard to decipher how one organization beats another one so many times. How they you know they end up uh, dominating them the way they do. It's just I, I you know. I, 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 the only thing I could think of is the, the ballpark helps the Mets. They, they enjoy it there. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. The Mets have, have been built around power, and then you go to Philadelphia, and the, the ballpark is conducive to hitting home runs, and, and the Mets have certainly taken advantage of that. And it helps a little bit that the Phillies haven't exactly had the greatest pitching staff the last two, three years. And, and maybe now with Arietta and, and Nola, they're, they're starting to turn the corner a little bit in, in, in that regard. But it seems like the Mets will still have an advantage. Well, yeah, it could help. We too, are that, all uh, out of... The, 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 could help that the manager pulled guys after three, four innings with 40 or 50 pitches. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, we are out of time. I'd, I'd like to thank my guest, Stephen Keene, for joining us tonight. Stephen, thanks so much for being on, and, and I hope you'll consider being on again in the future. Anytime, Brian. You know, let me know, and uh, I'll come on with you. I had a great time. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Well, please tune in again next week at uh, Wednesday night at 11 o'clock uh, Eastern. Until then, good night, everyone. And goodbye.